What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Does this sound a bit weird to you? Well, it should. Uh, you know, I've, I've said before that I am not someone who can come on here and fake it. I'm not somebody who can come on here and do one of those wacky morning zoo radio voices. <laughs> I, I am nothing if not authentic in how I feel, and, and I convey those feelings to my audience. And I'll let you know up front, this week has already been a real struggle, a lot of stress, and a lot of things just flat out going wrong. And one of them has been technology has been failing me. I, I brought up before Monday's show that Audacity had crashed on me. And over the next two days, my snowball microphone proceeded to crash on me as well. I ordered another one. I actually ordered two. I ordered one for myself and I ordered a backup one just in case so this doesn't happen again. But for a few more days here, unfortunately, you're going to have to bear with me and enjoy these recordings, which are currently being done on my iPhone. So I apologize again. And I wish, I guess I should have planned ahead or, or been better prepared. Like I said, it's been a, a very stressful week and I apologize. Coming up on today's show, right before I recorded this episode, actually, MLB.com and MLB Pipeline released the updated top 100 prospects in baseball list. I will go over that. I will talk about which Tigers are on that list and what it means for this organization. And in segment two, I'm going to discuss three teams so far in this 2020 season that have impressed me the most. What are we, 10 so games in? Unless, of course, you're the Tigers, Marlins, Phillies, or Cardinals. In that case, you haven't played all the games that you could have played, but that's beside the point. I will start off with this top 100 prospects list, this coming from Jim Callis of MLB.com. The updated top 10, I'll just start with that. Wander Franco of the Rays comes in at number one. Gavin Lux, the infielder for the Dodgers at number two. Luis Robert of the White Sox, obviously in the major leagues now, but has not exceeded the rookie limit, so he does stay in as a prospect at number three. Adley Rutschman, the number one overall pick of the 2019 MLB draft for the Orioles is number four. Mackenzie Gore, left-handed pitcher for the Padres, is number five. Joe Adele, who made his Major League debut last night. It's Wednesday, August 5th, by the way. I forgot to bring that up. Comes in at number six. Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers comes in at number seven. Casey Mize of the Detroit Tigers comes in at number eight. Nate Pearson of the Blue Jays is number nine. And Royce Lewis comes in at Number 10, the team with the most prospects in this top 100 list. It's a tie between the San Diego Padres and the Miami Marlins, each with six of the top 100 prospects right behind them. The Dodgers with five, the Tigers with five, the Mariners and Braves, each with five as well. Spencer Torkelson, one of 13 first round draft selections from the 2020 draft who made their top 100 debuts. He was the number one overall pick, so it makes sense why he is the first and highest player from the 2020 draft listed in this top 100 prospects list. He comes in at number seven overall. Surprisingly, Heston Kirstead, who was the second overall pick, is number 68. That's the eighth highest of any of the 2020 first round draft picks. A, a, a bit strange, but there were a lot of people who felt like the Orioles stretched with that pick. Austin Martin, the fifth overall selection, is the second highest of the 2020 draft class on this list. He is the 20th overall prospect in baseball. Spencer Torkelson debuts at number seven. Like I said, he debuts, I believe, in the same spot that Adley Rutschman debuted at 
when he was drafted number one overall just over a year ago by the Orioles. One interesting thing to point out, this is coming from Jim Callis at MLB.com, reading off of his report right here. Two quick ways to gauge the strength of farm systems related to the top 100 are to tally the number of players they have on the list and to calculate what we call prospect points. 100 for the number one prospect, 99 for the number two prospect, and so on until you get to number 100. The Marlins and Padres lead all organizations with six top 100 prospects each, followed by the Braves, Dodgers, Mariners, and Tigers with five each. Detroit has the most prospect points with 380, 41 more than any other farm system, and it speaks to what this organization's system has looked like for the last two, three years, which is not the deepest farm system by any means. They would never claim to be, but a farm system that's very top-heavy. They have five prospects, like I said, in the top 100, but the lowest one of those five is Tariq Skubal at 51. So they're you know one away from having five in the top 50, which is really, really impressive. Look, here's how I, I see it. We could go back and forth debating the merits of how the Tigers have gone about this. And that's a debate worth having. The fact is, I think the Tigers' plan of completely bottoming out was absolutely unnecessary. Had they have selected to rebuild after the 2016 season, guys like Kinsler and Verlander and J.D. Martinez's stock was highest, I think they could have gotten more back and this arduous, laborious, awful rebuild might not have taken as long. There are teams that have used that bottoming out formula and it's worked. The fact is those organizations didn't have the talent at the major league level to trade away and they didn't have good farm systems either. The Tigers had plenty of talent. They just boofed a lot of trades and I know we could go back and forth arguing this. The fact is even if you think the trades weren't bad, they definitely in a lot of these cases waited way too long. If they would have done something like trade Kinsler after 2016 when he had his best year ever, who knows what they could have gotten back. If they would have traded Verlander after he finished second for the Cy Young in 2016, who knows what they could have gotten back. Had they have given J.D. Martinez a full year of control to another team as opposed to the 70-something games that the Arizona Diamondbacks got, maybe we would have gotten something more than Dowell Lugo. But with all that said, We could argue the merits of of that tanking principle forever, but the fact is, it's happened. And right now, at this exact moment, this is one of the best farm systems in baseball. It's one of the most top-heavy farm systems in baseball. Now, with that said, that should be the case. If you're going to suck for that long, if you're going to bottom out for that long, you should be pulling in elite, potentially generational talent. And it looks like, for the time being, That is what they're doing, hopefully, and hopefully we'll be seeing some guys here real soon. This is a step in the right direction. Like, the fact of the matter is, for 10 years, 10 plus years, when Dombrowski was here, emphasis on the farm system was gone. Before this season, no team over the last 10 years had had fewer top 100 prospects each season than the Tigers had. I believe them and the Angels were the two lowest. And ultimately, that's kind of what came back to bite them. They, these bloated contracts, trying to build through free agency instead of building through the farm system, it led to a lot of problems. It was one of the reasons why we've had some of these god-awful teams here in Detroit over the last several years. But it does look like, as critical as I've been, and, and will continue to be, this is not the end of a journey here. These are steps in the right direction. Five top 51 prospects. That's something that even as as early as 2017 would have been unheard of here. The next step 
is to get these guys in the major leagues and get them hitting well and get them pitching well. That will be the day of reckoning that so many Tigers fans, including myself, are looking forward to. So when we get back, I'm going to talk a little bit about baseball around the league, and I'm going to give you three teams that have impressed me the most so far in the 2020 season. We'll be right back. To an early morning breakfast burrito, to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to Locked on Tigers. As I promised at the end of the first segment, this segment will be about three teams that have impressed me the most so far two weeks into the 2020 Major League season, a season that has been and probably will continue to be riddled by COVID-19. But we're going to ignore that and just talk about the positives So far, three teams that have impressed me the most. Now, up front, I will say these are not the three teams I think are the favorites to win the World Series. I don't think they are the three best teams in baseball. They are the teams through a week, almost two, have impressed me the most. And I'll start at number three with the Colorado Rockies. This is a real surprise. You know, this is an organization and a team I root for. Nolan Arenado is my favorite player in baseball. I think the guy's a warrior. I I think he's a great competitor. I want to see him on a championship caliber team. And so far, shockingly, what has carried this baseball team is not the offense. And I'll talk more about that park, and I'll talk more about why it's so difficult to build a champion in Colorado here in a second. But thus far, what's really helped them has been their young core of starting pitchers, John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Hermaine Marquez. You know, Colorado is a very difficult place to build a winner. You know, they made the World Series in 2007, a miracle run to the World Series, got swept by the Red Sox. They've made the playoffs since. They made the playoffs recently, 2017 and 2018. 2018, getting as far as the NLDS before getting swept again by the Milwaukee Brewers, but they won a classic game in Wrigley Field against a superior Cubs team. And last year, they took a substantial step back, and that's because, unsurprisingly, pitching took a step back. You know, this is an organization that for a while there was trying to build around offensive talent. And I I completely understand why. That is the biggest hitter's park in baseball. And they ended up getting Arenado out of that. They got DJ LeMayhew out of that. They got Cargo out of that. They got Trevor Story out of that. But ultimately, this is an organization that needs to build young starting pitching from within because no starting pitcher worth their salt who isn't a a complete masochist is going to sign 
to pitch at a park like Colorado. They've gotten a couple relievers to do it. They had that super pen experience a few years ago with Brian Shaw and Wade Davis, and that turned out to be a disaster. Wade Davis has been awful for them, and that's so strange to say because this was a dude who for several years was the nastiest reliever on the planet, but it seemed like right around the time Arenado was really hitting his prime, they lasered in and tried to focus in on building young pitching through the farm system, and that's the way you have to do it in Colorado. And it worked more than it didn't. I mean, John Gray, Hermaine Marquez, Kyle Freeland, the three guys I just talked about, have had good seasons at different points. Kyle Freeland in 2018, this is not an exaggeration, had the best season ever by a Colorado Rockies starting pitcher. That was a historic Cy Young race. I mean, you had Jacob deGrom having a transcendent season. He won the Cy Young. Max Scherzer having probably his best season as a pro. Most years would have won it, finished second. Aaron Nola, who was unbelievable in in 2018, led all of baseball in B-War that season in terms of pitchers. And then in, in fourth place, you had Kyle Freeland, who was awesome. Last year, the opposite. I mean, got sent down fairly early on in the season because he was getting rocked so hard. In several starts so far this season, he's looked really solid, as has Marquez, as has John Gray. This is one of the teams that, as good of a start as they're off to, I, I feel like that will not be sustainable. Maybe these guys in the 60-game season, their starters, will continue to be solid. But that bullpen, it's not only bad, it's thin. Wade Davis has been off. I mean, he had an ERA upwards of eight a season ago. Why he's even still a closer there is beyond me, but... He's now injured. Scott Oberg, who's been far and away their most consistent reliever over the last several years, he's injured. Even in a 60-game sprint, I don't see that being sustainable. But thus far in 2020, they've been very impressive. Another team that's been very impressive has been the Chicago Cubs. And they're, they're one of the more interesting teams in baseball. Because you look at that core, you would still say... This is a top-five core in baseball with Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and Hendricks. I mean, that's a really good core of still fairly young players. Wilson Contreras, uh, Ian Happ, Nico Horner, like some really like all-star level talent there, but they have regressed over the last several seasons. So far this year, the pitching has been better. They're trying to get the last ounce of good baseball left out of John Lester. I believe this is the last year of that massive contract, a contract and a deal that helped turn the Chicago Cubs around, turn them into champions. What worries me about that team, and I'm not the first person to point this out, that bullpen. Craig Kimbrell, remember in 2018 when he struggled in the postseason and he was trying to get that massive deal and Scott Boris was talking about how my client is better than Mariano Rivera and some people were like, well, you know, maybe that 2018 postseason was just a fluke. It wasn't. Craig Kimbrell looks legitimately awful, like a steep, steep decline. He can't, he can barely get an out right now. I mean, that knuckle curveball, which for years was the most devastating pitch that any reliever, arguably any pitcher in baseball threw. I, I, somebody pointed this out to me. I couldn't believe it. He's thrown like 40 something of them so far this year. He has not gotten one swing and miss. He used to get several per at-bat. This is a guy who's completely fallen off the face of the earth, and the rest of that bullpen ain't much to ride home about either. Great offense. They do have a lot of experience. Several people, including Theo Epstein just the other day, praised David Ross's job so far as a manager. That was a big question mark for a lot of people, but it seems like thus far he's done a good job. I worry about that pen, though. And I I, I still root for the Cubs. I, I know like everyone after they won the World Series is like, well, 
It's not cool to root for the Cubs anymore. I still do. Theo Epstein's my hero. I can't really help it. But intriguing team. That division is a strange division. There's several teams in that division. I can't tell if they want to be good or not. The Cubs got a shot at it, and they are off to a phenomenal start. Lastly, the team that has impressed me the most and the team that so far I think is the best team in baseball and probably the favorite as of this moment to win the World Series the New York Yankees. You know, I criticized their pitching rotation last year, and even coming into this season, I said, look, Garrett Cole's an animal, but I don't think one guy is going to be able to carry you to the finish line, even in a 60-game season. You know, I might have been wrong. Now, they are helped by the fact that the baseball gods have punished the Houston Astros by injuring half their team. Verlander out, Ozuna out, uh, Presley out, you know, they're pitching several guys who are who are rookies or nobodies. That helps. But just overall, that Yankees team, you know, you want to despise them. And I do because their fan base annoys me. Their belief that it's their God-given right to win the World Series every year. But, man, that team's fun to watch. And that organization is really well run. I think Aaron Boone has improved a whole lot as a manager. And most of all, Aaron Judge threw 10-plus games this season is back to being the Aaron Judge of 2017, arguably probably is better because he's striking out far less. And look, these Yankees teams over the last 11 years, you know, this drought that they've gone on, they haven't won a World Series since 2009. As good as many of those teams were, there was never a point where I thought they had the best team in baseball or even really the best team in the American League. Like, just look pa- look back at the last several years. They weren't better than the Astros last year. They weren't better than the Red Sox in 2018. They weren't better than the Astros in 2017. They weren't better than the Indians in 2017, but ultimately knocked them out in the ALDS. This is the first time in a long time where I've genuinely felt like the Yankees probably have the deepest roster of any team in the American League and probably the best overall team, most well-balanced team in the American League. That bullpen is lethal or Aldis Chapman's back firing darts. And that lineup is top to bottom, just explosive. And they play good defense. Like there's just, there is a lot to like about that team. They have a good mix of youngsters and veterans. They've been the most impressive baseball team that I've watched so far in 2020. So that will do it for today's show. Thank you very much for listening and bearing with me through all these technical issues and all these audio issues. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at Tigers. If you're feeling up to it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. I will be right back here tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in and bearing with me. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.